Welcome to the Mobilized Podcast. We equip Christ followers to boldly and courageously live mobilized in their faith, purpose, and life. Let's join James and Nicole. Well, thanks for joining us for this installment of the Mobilized Podcast. I am so excited to be here with my friend, Nicole. I am so excited. Also, I am his wife. (laughs) That was supposed to be a secret. But the good news is, even though we've been married for a quarter of a century, we're best friends. Right? A quarter of a century. That's ridiculous. It's amazing. And you're still so young. And so are you. It's like you're only a quarter of a century old, yet you've been married to me. It's one of those mysteries of the universe that we can never solve. And let's leave it a mystery. One episode of a podcast. Yeah, let's not try to figure that one out. Fair enough. I like it better this way. But thanks for tuning in. We are in the middle of a series, as we had been sharing in previous installments. We've been doing series of podcasts rather than week to week. So this is actually the 32nd episode of the podcast, the Mobilized Podcast, but we're in a Mobilized in Faith Part 2 podcast. And we've been going through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and really dissecting the Beatitudes. And it's been a pretty fun journey, right? Absolutely amazing. Uh, stretching and growing. Fun, but also convicting. <laughs> Challenging and painful. Absolutely. Sometimes confusing. <laughs> a lot confusing, actually. At least it can be. Because the Beatitudes are one of those passages where we all love it, right? Yes. Everybody's like, yes, it's the most loved sermon that Jesus gave. It was on the side of the hill. It was beautiful. You can picture the sun setting behind him. Everybody's sitting serene-like on the grass, watching, listening, soaking it all in. Very picturesque. That's the way we picture it. Yes. But most of us actually have no idea what Jesus is fully talking about here. (laughs) Most of us, we read it and we're like, cool, cool, sounds great. But because there's so many challenging words in there, like persecuted and meek mm-hmm. and um, thirsting and hunger and we tend mourning. to mourning, we tend to just read them and be like, oh, lovely yeah. and keep on going because it's challenging. It's hard. I don't want any of those things. Thank you, Jesus. Moving on. Right. That was beautiful. Beautiful yeah. message. But I'm going to go on with my life For now. someone else. Correct. (laughs) When we don't understand what Jesus is talking about, not only are we missing out on the life-changing things Jesus is talking about, we're unable to receive the blessings that follow them. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when we hear uh, what Jesus says when he tells us to do something, it's followed up with a blessing. Mm. And we like the blessing. We like the promise. But that's after we do what he says to do. The blessing is followed after obedience. And so understanding the Beatitudes is so important because the blessings are so big. Mm. So in our last episode, we looked at what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 1, blessed are the poor in spirit. And in Matthew 5, 2, blessed are those who mourn. If you missed it, you have to go back and listen to him because it's absolutely uh, incredible and foundational Mm -hmm. as well. But we see a progression in these scriptures, a a blueprint that's laid out plainly for us. Jesus is so good that way. He doesn't leave anything to the imagination. He lays it out clearly for us. And we learned what Jesus says when he said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. What Jesus is saying is happy are those who realize and admit just how spiritually empty they really are. And happy are those who realize that apart from God, they have no hope. 
And then next are blessed are those who mourn. And to mourn is to grieve over our sinful nature, our choosing to sin against God. And that mourning is what brings us to repentance. Mm -hmm. So it's not saying blessed are those who are constantly in a state of torment, emotional torment. That's not what it's saying there. (laughs) It's saying blessed are those who understand how sinful we are, who then run to Jesus for that freedom and Mm -hmm. forgiveness and hope. And this week, we're picking up with the third and fourth Beatitudes. We find it in Matthew 5, 5 through 6. Um, I'm read out of the New King James Version. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So first, let's unpack verse 5. Blessed are the meek. So if you had to define the word meek, how would you define it? What are some of the words that come to mind when you think of being meek? I think of quiet. Mm. I picture uh, Urkel. Did I do that? (laughs) Just this kind of weak screech-like from Saved by the Mm, Bell. Scrawny, kind of wallflowery. No one's aspiring to be that person. Um, the one that kind of puts themselves down all the time that has yeah. to say, I can't be better than anyone because that's not me. I've got to be less than everyone yeah. or at least portray that I am. The, yeah. the victim of bullying most often. Right, right, yeah. right. The one who stays neutral in everything. Mm, yeah. The one who never picks a side or stands up. Yeah, peacemaker. You uh-huh. kinda, that's a, a kind way of saying Meek, right? Yeah, just, yeah. You're always just keeping the peace. Right. The one who gets walked all over. Walked all over. The door format, yes. Right, right. Because people see meek people as, oh, good. I won't have to fight very hard for my opinion then. They'll just accept it. Yes. Right? And, and you know what's crazy is as Christians, you hear all the time that that's like a banner to carry mm. of meekness. And and yet we have this world's definition on that word as well. Mm-hmm. And it's so in conflict with what Jesus says as well. Yeah. And what Jesus is talking about, about here. I, I think it's also the one who um, never defends himself. Mm-hmm. And so me, I, I feel like I always have to defend these people too. <laughs> so then it gets me in complete trouble as well. But let's start with how our best and brightest minds define meek. This is the world's definition. I'm right here. <laughs> Dictionary.com says uncomplaining. Passive, unassuming, calm, obedient, weak, timid, soft, yielding. Mm. I don't know about you, but that just makes my stomach turn just a little bit. Mm -hmm. This is what the world wants us to think being meek is. This is their definition of the word meek. And with the world's definition in mind, blessed are the meek rubs us a little wrong yeah like nobody wants to be that nobody wants to be defined as that and as christians we're told we have to be that but also don't be that (laughs) so this gets really confusing right in today's culture or at any time for that matter nobody wants to be seen as weak timid or soft no we want to be a strong seen as strong and capable and in charge And in the scripture, Jesus isn't talking about our standing in this world or in in our culture, but instead, 
in our relationship with him. Mm. And that's why we can put a whole new definition, Mm -hmm. what Jesus is actually talking about. Because we're not talking about our standing in the world, we're talking about in our relationship with him. The world's definition of meek couldn't be any further from his meaning. And exercising meekness isn't just an outward behavior. Like the world tells us, being meek is an outward behavior. Instead, it's the posture of our hearts toward God. Yeah. So the first and most important person we exercise meekness is with God. And then, by extension, man. Mm. So first, with God. So let's look at what Jesus was talking about when he said, blessed are the meek. It's when we accept God's dealings with us as good without dispute or resisting, and does not fight against God or struggle and contend with him. Mm. Instead, follows directly upon it. So to be meek before God is to accept that all his dealings with us are good. Yeah. Everything. And to accept them without disputing or resisting. <laughs> okay, now now I'm getting uncomfortable here. I'm already 0 for 2. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And without fighting or struggling or contending with God, (laughs) wrestling with him to have our own way is what that means. And then to follow directly upon it. That means to accept all his dealings with us are good and then following what he leads us to do, Mm. what he tells us to do. So exactly like Moses, when God said, hey, go to Pharaoh and have him set my people free. Just immediately said, absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Let's do it. He or didn't Gideon, resist. Right? <laughs> Gideon, on the first request. Yeah, absolutely, Lord. Doesn't matter the size of my tribe or how popular or strong I am. I'll yeah. do it. I don't think those are the best examples. Oh. I don't In think In case we'll you don't know one. the stories, by the way, <laughs> uh, that was not an accurate account of how that played out. There was a lot of resisting, a lot of arguing, a lot of... God, I don't really care for the way you're dealing. I'm going to contend with you. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to follow through. Took a little bit of arm twisting, didn't it? It did. Sounds like my stories. And what I love is the character of God and that he allowed them to be fully human. Mm. And he was fully God in being patient with them and saying, a journey, it's a journey to meekness. Yeah. It's a journey there because it got easier, right? After a while when God said, do that. They would just start doing it. Yeah. Because of that journey there of knowing who God is and watching him be faithful. But I think it's hard to be meek before God to accept all things as good when he says, wait. Yeah. When he says, not now. When he says, no. Yeah. And that's when we really get to put our um, faith and put meekness into action is when we say, okay, then I accept all your dealings with me as good. Mm -hmm. And I won't see that no as something to harm me, but something for me. Yes. Understanding that it's because of God's goodness that he said no. And that's what's hard. That's what's hard about being meek, but that's what he's asking us to do here. It's not who we are in the world standing. It's nothing to do with our outward appearance or our standing in this world, but it has everything to do with our heart, Mm -hmm. everything to do with our relationship with him. And so when he's standing on that mountainside and he's looking at people and he's telling them, blessed are the meek, they understood this. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. They understood that he was saying, trust me. Mm-hmm. Trust me. That's good. And if you come to me and you just trust me and you believe everything I say is for your good, then blessed, happy are you because mm-hmm. you won't have to worry about anything. Because yeah. what would you have to worry about? Yeah. What would you have to worry about if you know that God is always on your side and working on your behalf? Trust me. That's good. Because it, it requires that we empty ourselves of ourselves. And that's really what those first three Beatitudes are talking about. Right. We've got to empty ourselves of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus is trying to show us that the ultimate root of all our unhappiness is in the fact that we live such self-centered lives. Um, that's why we don't really like sometimes the answers that we get from him. Oh, God, but really, you maybe you didn't understand the question or you don't have all the information it, you know, yeah. if I were God, I would do it differently. So, yeah. you know, why, why don't you do it my way? Um, and but, I love that in those first three mm-hmm. is how he said it. Blessed are those who, yeah. and he's trying to tell us, look, I want you to be happy, but I'm going to talk directly to your human nature right now, mm-hmm. directly to who you are, where you are. <laughs> and I'm going to do it in the most loving and kind way. And I'm going to promise blessings that, hey, you're selfish. Very selfish people. And you got to pull it together, people. And let me tell you how. (laughs) That's right. That reminds me of uh, something I read uh, a long time ago. G.K. Chesterton was a famous British columnist. And uh, he he would write for the the London Daily Mail from time to time. And this was in a time of war and economic crisis. Um, And the the column actually wrote a subject, What's Wrong with the World? And the, the columnist actually wrote to Chesterton and because of his reputation, they, they asked him to give his thoughts on what's wrong with the world to contribute to this particular article. And Chesterton wrote back only one line uh, for the paper, and here's what he wrote. He said, what's wrong with the world? I am. That was his response. And I think that's really interesting. If we're thinking about emptying ourselves of ourselves, we have to take ownership mm. of where we are and how we got here and that Jesus is presenting the solution. We need to be saved from ourselves. We need to turn from our selfish desires to desiring God above everything else. That leads us to the next beatitude that Jesus gave us. And we look at Matthew 5, 6, and he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus says before we can be filled, we have to hunger for the only thing that can truly fill us. We have to be hungry for a right relationship with God. Now, for the most part, most of us, we don't know what it's like to really be hungry. I, I know from time to time I'll, I'll complain a little bit if, you know, we have dinner an hour late or I wake up and I get into some project and I haven't had my breakfast and I start to complain like, oh my gosh, I'm starving to death. I don't know if you guys do that, but I'll actually say, I'm starving, I'm famished. But we don't really know what it's <laughs> like for us to be that hungry. In fact, right. most of us, our problem is we have access to too much food, if we're being honest, right? right. Most right. of our time is, you know, trying to think of healthier lifestyles and mm. how do we cut calories and carbs so that we can trim <laughs> yes. down, not where do I find my next meal? <laughs> oh my gosh, you're um, so right. Right? And so that's, that's, that's kind of ironic. But if we really knew what it was like to hunger and thirst, to spend our whole day looking for that next yeah. meal... The audience Jesus was talking to, they knew what it was like to have their minds consumed with just getting a drink of water or a piece of bread to eat. Mm. They knew what it was like to spend the night with their stomachs hurting and empty. I don't really know that feeling. In fact, I've gotten in a bad habit that uh, if we have an early dinner, I think I'm laying in bed and I think, gosh, it's been so long since we ate. I need to get up and have a snack. And that's not good. But they didn't have that ability. And so blessed are you when you hunger and thirst. That was kind of like, what? 
But Jesus wasn't talking about physical food. He was talking about spiritual substance. Yeah. Most of us, we don't know what it's like, you know, to, to be lacking in this, this area. Um, but spiritual nourishment is, is more important than even physical nourishment. And that's what Jesus was getting to the root of. Um, we have the freedom to exercise our faith. We have endless tools, help, studies, teachings, and meetings and resources, not to mention the Bible itself. Mm-hmm. We don't lack resources. We don't lack anything we need. But we lack hunger and thirst. We lack the desire for righteousness. Right. Jesus was talking about us finally filling our souls up with the only thing that can satisfy us. Do you ever think about how empty people are today? I mean, it's all around us. You just have to look at their faces. Sometimes we look past people instead of at people. Yeah. They're searching for meaning and purpose in so many different things and in so many different ways. Uh, even those who have arrived and they've made it big in what we'd call success, yeah. um, they're still extremely empty. And we can think of a million examples. You just have to watch entertainment news or something like that or look on your, your Twitter or Instagram and you'll see all around us, these sad stories. I remember reading some time back about Evander Holyfield. He was a famous boxer, and during his career, he owned over $205 million. That's a lot of cheddar. That's a lot. Woo! Uh, he, he's been married at least six times, and now he's reported to live alone in his 54,000-square-foot mansion in Georgia. Wow, 54,000 square feet. He's living alone. He could get lost. He could get lost. I mean, <laughs> for those of you listening that don't know, we, we're in New York, Nicole right. and I. 54,000, that's like yeah. a whole commercial building in New York. <laughs> right. That's not someone's home. And he's an avid car collector. He has stables full of horses that are worth millions of dollars. He's accomplished so much in his incredible career. So why did he continue to fight past his prime? And he was asked this question, and here's what he said. He said, I continue to fight? Because I'm bored. Oh, my. Because I'm bored. What? I'd be in that garage tinkering with those cars right? if I were a Vander Holyfield. I tell you, I don't know what he has to be bored, but he's bored. Bored with his wealth, bored with his fame, bored with his life. You know what that tells me? He's empty inside. Mm. Jesus says before we can be happy, we have to hunger for the only thing that will satisfy the longing in our souls. We need to be hungry for a personal, intimate relationship with God. I love that. Hungry for a personal, intimate relationship with God. Mm -hmm. In the first five verses, we're emptying ourselves of ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? That's what's happening. It it makes sense that we then need to be refilled. And our satisfaction of this thirst and hunger comes when we pursue right living, righteousness, when we strive to obey Mm. I told you, Jesus, so he's just so intentional. And so, like I said, the first five verses, you're just emptying, emptying. And he's saying here in this verse, now let's refill you. Mm. Now let's refill you. But first you got to be completely empty and then you got to hunger and thirst so he can fill you, right? Mm -hmm. And righteousness is not a punishment, (laughs) okay? It's not a punishment or a test of how far you can torture yourself before you give (laughs) up. I grew up in church. Yes. You grew up in church. Yes. You're kind of taught that righteousness is a special form of torture for Christians. Yes. And it's like for monks. Right. It's for monks and preachers' kids. Yes. In which James and I are both, right? Uh-huh. We're both preachers' kids. It, it's not a punishment. It's also not our badge of accomplishment to that we use to elevate ourselves. Mm. Because you see that a lot too. Yeah. I follow all the laws of the Bible, and I'm better than you now. Right. I'm better than. Yep. So we either say, forget it, I'm out, 
this is way too hard, I can't do this, or I've accomplished it, I've arrived, and now I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. But that's not what righteousness is. And I know some of us are afraid of this word. Some of us have put a definition on it that is way more complicated than it is. Me. Me. (laughs) I raised my hand. I raised my hand twice. I raised it three times. (laughs) I have made this word like my enemy. Mm -hmm. My enemy thinking this is impossible. But righteousness is a journey. Yeah. It's a journey. It's a decision. It's a desire. Mm -hmm. It's a discipline. Yeah. It's a discipline. It all comes back to the relationship with him. And we need to be hungry for a personal, intimate relationship with God. When Jesus said, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Greek word he used for hunger and thirst is the strongest word possible. The strongest word. Jesus is talking about developing a ravenous hunger and an insatiable thirst for the things of God. Mm. That's what he's talking about. That's making me hungry just listening. Right? (laughs) That's true. And in the Old Testament, King David, he had that kind of hunger and thirst Mm. for for, for God that Jesus was talking about. Uh, Read the writings of David and you'll find a man who was really consumed. His one concern was Mm -hmm. to know God intimately. I mean, just look at a few examples. Psalm 42.1, it says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Mm. Psalm 27.4, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple. He goes on in Psalm 63, 1. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Because David was hungry and thirsty for God. God said David was a man after his own heart. And we still talk about that as a kind of a testament to his posture. And we know he wasn't perfect. Right. But for God to say something about him that strong and definitive, you had to see that he had made this his his focus, his practice. Right. In the New Testament, Paul, he had some things to say about hungering and thirsting and knowing God. Philippians chapter 3 is a great example. Paul writes, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ Mm. and be found in Him, not having a righteousness, there it is, Uh not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Mm -hmm. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, and so attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Wow, there's a lot in Just there. That is wow. so rich. Right? But Just I love wow. that he put the focus on that it's not in my righteousness mm-hmm. that comes from the law. Because he was a mm-hmm. Pharisee. He was he knew the law. He right. knew how to keep the law. He knew how to be very legalistic, but he, he knew that that wasn't the path to right. happiness. He put it aside in favor of the the fullness, the righteousness that comes from complete faith in Jesus. Right, right. And I love, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection 
and participation in his suffering, mm-hmm. which is so different than David. Yes. See, David didn't see Jesus, didn't yeah. see what Jesus did yeah. for us. And so his faith was just in God, of the future of being yeah. with God, of who God He's is, whereas forward. Paul, mm-hmm. Paul was looking back at what Jesus had already done. Yeah. What I love is from both of their perspectives, they're able to say, I, I just want God. Yeah. I just want God. I, I love this um, passage that Paul writes. It's, it's, um, it's challenging. It is. It's challenging. I mean, because it, it talks about some things we don't like, we suffering. We don't like it again, yeah. Uh, but, but again, the root of it is that Paul just wants to know Christ. Right. Uh, he said he's given up everything to know him and to introduce others to him. Right. Another great example is Jesus. I mean, obviously, right. he's God, but the Bible says that he was 100% man. Right. 100% man. That's how he could be tempted, and he lived life as a man. But he was also desperate and hungry to do the will of God the Father. Mm-hmm. Jesus was hungry enough to get up early in the morning while it was still dark, tiptoe past his sleeping disciples, and go and sit up on a hillside to seek his Father's wisdom. Right. He was hungry enough to make sure that every decision he made was in perfect step with God and what God wanted him to do. So he sought God before he sought a solution. Mm-hmm. Jesus was hungry enough to do his Father's will as sweat drops of blood poured from his brow as he prepared himself to go to the cross to die for our sins. Jesus lived his entire life, every moment of his life, in complete dependence on his Heavenly Father. So, yeah. I mean, maybe the reason that we're still so empty inside is because we don't hunger and thirst for God. Right. That's the right. sad realization, right? Right, exactly. I know there's a lot of things I hunger and thirst for, but... I can't say that it's 24-7 all about God. Right. Maybe the reason that we don't hunger and thirst for God is because we really don't, I don't know, love God. Yeah. That's that's a hard thing to say. Right. But there's a difference between believing, following, and loving. loving. God. Yeah. I mean, there you can't get away from it. Right. And we like to lump it all into one big thing. You know, you'll hear people say, oh, we're all God's children. Eh, false. Right. Oh, you know, we're all part of the God's family. Eh, wrong. Right. Oh, every Christian loves God. Eh, you know, there are several layers. You can know God. Satan and the demons know God. They know exactly. the Bible inside and out. They tremble, but they're not his followers. Right. Then you can be a follower, but That's maybe deep. not love, right? Right. You, you can believe Take that step and say, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Yes. I believe I'm in need of a Savior, and one day I will spend eternity with Him. You can believe and stop there. Yes. And then you can take another step to following, saying, okay, what do you want for my life? I'll follow it. I'll do. But then there's this whole other step, Mm. and that's loving God. Mm -hmm. It says, those who love me obey me. Mm Mm-hmm. Not those who believe in me, not those who follow me, but those who love me, obey me. And that's a whole other step. And that's a journey. That is a journey. And so righteousness doesn't happen overnight. Love doesn't even happen overnight. We know that 26 years in. Love doesn't happen. The love we have today started, (laughs) I think, the day we met. (laughs) (laughs) It was love at first sight for me. I think it was. Uh, we married six weeks later, and the journey began. And the love we have today isn't the love we had back then. It is far deeper, richer, and it's been through stuff. But it's from the beginning, I did quote Jesus, and I said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but I tried that for yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's when I say, um, love's a journey. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just a little marriage advice. Yeah. That one doesn't work. That one doesn't work. Jesus was talking about something else. 
<laughs> but there is a journey to loving God, and the journey takes the hunger and the thirst for righteousness path. It takes yeah. us on this continuum, because yeah. righteousness doesn't mean perfection, right? Right. David right. hungered and thirsted after righteousness, but he wasn't perfect. Nope. I mean, we love highlighting his mistakes. Right. I think because it makes us feel better. I think so, too. Because he, he was a stud. That yeah. guy, I mean, he took down giants and... You know, Saul had killed his hundred, David his thousands, yes. right? I mean, he was a man's man. Right. Lions and tigers and bears, oh, oh my. my. I mean, he's he's the real deal. Right. Paul wasn't perfect. Yeah, yeah. he was one of our biblical heroes, a hero yep. of the faith, wrote over, you know, a, a two-thirds of the New Testament, planted mm-hmm. countless churches. I mean, mm-hmm. like the missionary of all missionaries. Yeah. So how do you get to the place where you hunger and thirst for righteousness? How do I get to a place right. where I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Like Paul, like David, like Jesus as our right. ultimate model. Mm-hmm. I think, James, we were talking about this um, a little bit before we started recording, and and you had a great analogy of when you gave up soda. Mm. <laughs> oh, I can tell you one thing. It was actually... Um, it was quite an ordeal, but I decided I didn't want to go on a diet. Right. I wanted to adopt a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And I love my soft drinks. I love cream sodas. I love cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper. And those of you that know me, we used to share in some good times breaking bread and enjoying <laughs> those soft drinks. I love bread. Yes. I love a good baguette or a mm-hmm. French bread or a good sourdough bread warm out of the oven. I love cake, chocolate cake, chocolate chip cookies, Oreo cookies, bake them fresh, buy them stale and hard. It doesn't matter. (laughs) They are all good. But it was in 2010, I decided I need to adopt a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. So what I decided to do was to stop consuming those soft drinks and those sweets. And I decided to replace them. So I replaced the soft drinks with water. I replaced the cakes and cookies with grapes and apples. Sounds simple. The ironic thing was, it was um, hell on earth for three weeks. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> I was hopelessly addicted <laughs> to sugar and caffeine. Yeah. But once I went through this withdrawal period, I found myself craving grapes and apples and water. I couldn't get enough. I, I wanted it. I had this ravenous hunger, mm-hmm. this insatiable thirst for water, and I couldn't get enough, and I loved it. Nicole and I, we joke all the time. She's like, oh, how much water do I have to drink? And I can't get enough. I just keep wanting to drink water, drink water. Oh, it's so good. Oh, water, it's so heavenly. It's just this, ah, so refreshing. And I kind of picture that in a lot of ways, that's what we do. You know, I can sit on the couch. I can binge watch Netflix. I can watch the latest Hulu series, or I can get up off the couch. I can open up my Bible, and I can spend time in God's Word. I will crave. My body will crave what I give it. My spirit will crave what I give it, but I have to replace. So I had to replace the bad things I was consuming with what I knew was going to be good for my body. In the same way, spiritually, I have to replace the negative things that this world gives me to consume, and I have to replace it with the positive things of God's Word, His truths, His love letter to me, His guidelines for my life. And it's when you do it, you find yourself wanting more. You find yourself wanting more. Yeah. And it sounds like overly simple. Right. But it's true. It is true. It's absolutely true. And then after a little while, 
your humanness, your sinful nature, nature slips back into gear or, or your tries, daughter to. tries to tempt you with a cupcake. <laughs> Just eat it, Dad. Just, Just eat, eat it. it. It won't kill you. As he's, she's trying to <laughs> shove it down your throat. <laughs> I don't want the cupcake. Give me an apple. I don't want the cupcake. Give me an apple. And she says, when I get married, will you at least eat some cake at my wedding then? <laughs> She's tempting you. This has been 12 years, this (laughs) journey, by the way. So she has harassed me endlessly. And it's it's been a a point of humor, uh, sometimes pain. (laughs) But to your point, temptation will arise spiritually and physically, right? So when you're asking, how do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? One, it's that replacing the things of this world with the things of God Mm -hmm. so that you chase after him instead of the things of this world. But inevitably... Inevitably, our human nature, our sinful nature comes up, and then sometimes you just don't feel like it. Right. Because it's hard work. You're putting discipline into place every single day, and there's hard work. So what do you do? Discipline. Discipline. It's very human. It's very simple. There's nothing spiritual about it. It's as simple as denying yourself what you want for what you need. It's simple discipline. Reaching for the apple instead of the cupcake. Correct. Correct. Reaching for the Bible instead of the remote control. Yes. And God's word never returns void. Mm. So when you put discipline into place and you do what you're supposed to do, you'll always be filled up. Yeah. Always, always, always. But sometimes just doing it is hard. Yeah. I love studying the Bible. I love it. I will open it up and I'll study it and I'll take one verse and I'll dig into it and I'll dig into the Greek and the Hebrew and, and what was happening in the world during that time. I have an archaeological study archaeological Bible. study Bible. Wow, I was having trouble with that word. <laughs> I love seeing what's happening so I can get full context. And I'll do this for like six months, you know, no problem. Mm-hmm. And then just one day I wake up and I'm like, that's a lot of work. <laughs> like, I just don't feel like it today. Yeah. I just don't feel like it. And so I'll stop myself and I have Bible on my phone. I have, you know, we have 10 million Bibles in the house, every kind of Bible you can think of. And so I'll simplify and say, okay, I don't have to do that much every day, but I do have to do something. Mm-hmm. I have to do something. It's just simple discipline that gets put into practice. And God, like I said, his word never returns void. Yeah. And so you feel, you feel the filling up in your heart and your soul as you do it. But so that's, that's good. Second. There are some people that that resonates with. Mm-hmm. They're the disciplined ones who have made their bed every day of their life. Um, never leave a dirty dish in the sink. Right. Uh, their yard is perfectly manicured. Um, their workspace at their desk or wherever they might pay bills or search on the computer, it's clear and not cluttered. But I know that there are other people that that's not their story. (laughs) They make their bed when they're going to have company. And the bees. (laughs) (laughs) Or when they have finally lost so many socks, they're going to have to buy more unless they find all those loose stragglers. So I guess I better make the bed. You know, um, I'm going to stop the smell test of laundry and just wash the clothes and pick them up and hang them. So for those of us that maybe are not as excited about the concept of just discipline driving us to that. What's what's one final thing that I think really is probably the most important powerful weapon yeah. in our arsenal? Where do you think we would go then? You just ask God for the desire. Yeah. You ask him. You give him permission to convict you. Yeah. To remind you, to push you, 
you let him in, say, okay, God, you know where I'm weak. Yeah. You know I'm weak. You know I don't like to do this. You know I want to do everything else instead. So be honest with God. God cannot work in dishonesty. Right. So if you're dishonest with God, he's like, I can't do anything with that. So be honest with God because he already knows. He does. He already knows you. Remember, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He's watched you your entire life. He knows. So you're not hiding anything from him by being dishonest. But just ask him, God, I am struggling. I am struggling. So will you help me with this? Will you remind me? Will you uh, send people into my life to remind me? Will you convict me when I know I'm supposed to be spending time with you and I'm not? Yeah. And God is good mm-hmm. because he wants what's good for you. And mm-hmm. he knows he's good for you. Mm-hmm. So he will do what you ask. Yeah, He will do what you ask. And then when I open my Bible, I ask him, teach me something today. I, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to um, be filled up. And will you reveal to me what you're talking about? Yeah. And oh my goodness, does he. Oh my goodness, does he? And it's not always huge revelation, like showing us like some of the old pro- the prophets of old, right? They yeah. got to see like end times and prophecy, nothing like that. But things that are life changing in my life, mm-hmm. words that pop out, a-, a sudden understanding of a scripture that I'd read a million times. Mm-hmm. God is good to bring those things to life, and when you get a taste of the insight um, to God's world. There's a thirst and a hunger that happens from that. Yes. There's a thirst and hunger where you realize, oh my goodness, it's almost like he's letting you in on a secret mm. that only you and he know now. Mm. And you, I usually come up from my office or, or wherever I'm reading, and I'm like, James, did you know? <laughs> did you know? And he kind of looks at me like, yeah, I've heard that scripture a million times. But did you know this or did you know that? And there was an excitement inside of me like... God just let me in on something, and I want to share it with you. So ask God. And you want more. And I want more. Yeah. And more. Exactly. And then when I get tired, then it's just discipline that comes into place. It's just discipline. And that discipline then rolls into, it's the journey. It's the journey into um, the habit and the hunger and the thirst. That's good. So ask God. Ask God. I mean, even uh, sinful parents love to give their kids good gifts. How much more so does our Heavenly Father? And He, if you ask Him, He's good and He'll give it. That's and He right. wants that relationship. So absolutely, don't uh, don't just try and power through it in, in your own strength. Um, but if you feel like you don't have the strength to take that next step, ask God to give you the strength, the desire, and uh, you get to do it together. Absolutely. That's incredible. Absolutely. Nicole, thank you for this. This wisdom was incredible. I've enjoyed kind of unpacking this a little bit with you, and this has been fun. I hope it's been great for you as you've listened. And tune in. Make sure you've subscribed. Uh, We've got some exciting things coming down the pipeline in terms of our mobilized ministry, the website, some things that we're going to be making available to you to continue to connect and bring each other on the journey together as we Uh, help each other be more like Christ every step of the way. So, So stay tuned, make sure you subscribe, share this with someone, and let's spread the word. And we will see you for the next episode of the Mobilized Podcast as we continue this series, Mobilized in Faith. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Mobilized YouTube page and follow us on social media at mobilized.life on Instagram. 
and at Live Mobilized on Facebook. For more information and ways to connect, visit our website at mobilized.life.